Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast. Hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in our expulsion. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the road. Chris Mannix. Yes. Joining me on the podcast this week, uh, just in time for free agency and fresh from the juice press, uh, Howard Beck, the uh, great writer over at Bleacher Report, who, if you, I'll take a picture of this, uh, Howard dressed straight out of Brooklyn, like he's got the button-up shirt about halfway up with the uh, ProPublica t-shirt, oh, Rebel Without a Cause, Howard, Rebel Without a Cause, <laughs> there, what's up, man? What's going on? <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Um, it, was a, it was a great uh, juice from the juice press, was, by the way. Was it yeah. Good? Oh, the kale was really fresh today. I mean, the lines in Brooklyn must be out the fucking door. I mean, just no. Sure. You know th- that used to be the problem, but now that we have literally a a juice stand of oh. some sort at every single corner, nice. yeah, you, nice. you gotta you gotta meet the demand. Yeah, man, your kids are gonna grow up. I don't know what they're gonna look like. In really 10 years. freaking healthy. That's <laughs> yeah, what they're gonna grow up. That's what they're gonna do. All right, glad you could join me, though, man. This is um, a busy week, obviously, and free agency is 
on everybody's radar. But a couple of things that broke uh, early in the day Wednesday that I want to hit you on first. The first is ESPN uh, posting a story effectively saying that LeBron James is applying pressure uh, or somebody in LeBron's orbit is applying pressure to the Lakers uh, to go out there and, you know, find a deal for Kawhi Leonard. For, for whatever reason, maybe he thinks that Paul George is going back to Oklahoma City. Maybe he thinks that Paul George will take too much time to decide on the Lakers or Oklahoma City. Uh, it seems like right now we're talking about Kawhi Leonard being first man in uh, with the Lakers. What did you make of of the ESPN report and and what it actually means? It's hard to know, right? I mean, there's so much uh, stuff out there this time of year, some combination of, of speculation and various parties trying to put messages out there, put pressure out there. It's hard to know exactly how to interpret one like this. Clearly, if we just like take this step by step, if you're the Lakers, obviously you want to get a commitment from Paul George as soon as possible. <laughs> Probably not through back channels because they've got some tampering issues there, uh, a bit of a history. But if you don't know that you're going to get him and if you're having some concerns and you're trying to figure out who else can we make sure is in hand to help sell this to LeBron James and Kawhi is out there as a potential piece, it's only natural that 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 you, that you do draw that line from one from one to the other but who's according to who like you know who who's putting the pressure on is lebron's you know camp are his representatives actually sending word to the lakers look you guys got to get this done mm. because the lakers don't have control over that the spurs have control over that so you know what's the point of that pressure i guess would be the question the lakers know what they have to do they know that they need a paul george or a Kawhi leonard or somebody else in hand to make a stronger case to lebron however i will say I think LeBron James, as smart as he is and as smart as people representing him are, they also know you may not have a clear picture at on June 30th at 11.59 p.m. And it may take some time to sort out some of this. And hey, it may actually require LeBron being the one to plant his flag first. Hmm. And by the way, amidst all of this, because David Stern long ago carved out a massive tampering exception for players, player to player, you know LeBron and Paul George are texting each other. Of course they are. So LeBron may have a sense of whether or not or, or what uh, level of, of confidence he should have in Paul George coming. Kawhi's a different animal. Uh, you, you just don't know how that situation will resolve itself. It's not in Kawhi's po- uh, power to, to get himself where he wants to go. And he can say, I'm not going to resign next summer and I want to be traded and I only want to be traded to the Lakers. But as we saw with Paul George a year ago, you want to go to LA? Sorry, we're sending you to Oklahoma. It, it, all it takes is one team out there that's willing to roll the dice and say, hey, the Thunder maybe have sold Paul George on staying. We're willing to take that chance too. You know the Rockets are willing to take that risk. Daryl's always willing to take that risk. And there are teams out there that will be willing to take the risk that will take the season to sell Kawhi on our future. And if he walks, we'll, you know, that's a gamble we just have to take because how often do you get a chance to get a player like that? Yeah, I mean... One, one, my biggest takeaway from that was the Spurs have to be smiling reading a report like that because oh, sure. the idea of, well, first of all, I don't believe that the Spurs have eliminated the Western Conference here. I don't, I don't either. It's just not how San Antonio operates, right? I mean, no. why would they take away half the league and the offers that half the league could ultimately make? That just the smart, the smart teams will say, "I will get the best deal for yeah. us." Period. Doesn't matter if it's in conference. What happened when Kyrie demanded out of the Cavs? Did the Cavs say, we're only sending him to the East? No, or we're only sending him to the West. No, they sent him within the East. They sent him to Boston because that at that time was the best offer that they could get and that satisfied Kyrie Mm -hmm. who had the power to say, hey, 
I, I could leave otherwise. So yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Like I, the Spurs are not going to limit where they send him. If they ha- send him to the to the Lakers to form a new super team, hey, look, LeBron James is 33. That's not going to last forever. The Spurs aren't going to fret over that. If that's the best deal they can get is from the Lakers, then that's where they'll send him. But if somebody else comes up with something better, then it's somewhere else. Yeah, the Spurs, I've always felt they're going to slow play this. I was texting with uh, an executive from a team that had you know contacted the Spurs about Kawhi today. And one of the things he told me was uh, he thinks they're only just taking calls here. They're not making calls on Kawhi Leonard. And that kind of gives them plausible deniability, right? I mean, if you're taking calls on him, you're not necessarily shopping him, which keeps the relationship from further deteriorating if they hope there's any chance that they can... Uh, uh, get him back. That's number one. Number two, the Lakers now are kind of held over the barrel here because, you know, if you're San Antonio and LA calls today or tomorrow, one thing you can say to them is you can bleed them for everything that they have. If they're if they're going to be that desperate to get Kawhi Leonard, you could take uh, you know Kuzma, you could take Brandon Ingram, and you could go for that. And I hesitate to even say this: that Nets type draft pick package, where it's like, give me a pick in 2019, 2021, and 2023. And if the Lakers are that desperate, I think you can't forget either. As much bravado as Magic Johnson speaks with, <laughs> and as savvy as Rob Palenka seems, they are a new front office. Yeah. Magic Johnson has never been an executive. Rob Palenka was an agent a couple of years ago. Uh, and they're going up against arguably the best front office in basketball with Pop at the head of it, Narcy Buford, run the day-to-day. I-, I wouldn't want to be the Lakers right now in the situation they're in, uh, potentially being forced to overbid for Kawhi Leonard. Yes, but I-, I do think that they, look, their advantage is this. And by the way, let me back up real quick. They are unproven on the whole, and I'm with you. Like, until we actually see them succeed, it's it's reasonable for us to have some skepticism of Magic and, and Rob Polinka just because they haven't done this before. They're a brand new front office. But the track record so far, while limited, is pretty encouraging. I, you know, I thought offloading Mozgov last summer, good move. Uh, and, and then and acquiring a pick that became Kyle Kuzma. Their draft, they did really well, Josh Hart and, and Kuzma. Lonzo Ball, we'll see. The, the, the bar is higher for him, right? So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not as, as readily going to proclaim that they, that they made the right pick there, but likely they did. And then the trades they made at the deadline to offload Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and, uh, you know, to to clear out the cap room that could enable them to sign LeBron James while trading with LeBron James's team. Like, so far, so good. They've done all right. Um, Getting and, a first-round pick in that that yeah. Clarkson Nance deal was huge. Was I, I mean, I, I thought fantastic. They, I thought Cleveland overpaid in that one. Yeah, so they've done pretty well so far. So let's give them that. Um, but the bravado, Magic's bravado the other day was was notable mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, I kind of get it. That's Magic. You know, that's what kind of what you expect. But he knows that Jim Buss did the same thing like five years ago, right? Like, I will have this team turned yeah. around three years, or you can fire. Okay, right, but well. right, but when Jim Buss says, "Hey, I can." You know, there's no believability there. Yeah. Now, Magic's never done this job, but when Magic invokes, hey, you guys have seen me in the finals. How do I feel? You know, you think I deal with pressure okay? Like, I, you, you like that. Like, there's because Magic has that incredible charisma and he just exudes confidence. It's apples and oranges, but okay. You yeah. Know, like, great yeah. that you're a tremendous player under pressure in the right. finals. Right. How are you when right. but it's also, Buford's staring you down? But it's also apples and oranges, Magic to Jim Buss. Yeah, like, Jim Buss, I don't know what in your past at all gives me confidence that you could have done this. And as it turns out, he couldn't. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's fine. That's that's Laker exceptionalism at work. That's Laker bravado. That's Magic bravado. Um, 
I guess if I'm going to 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 try to uh, give them a, a some benefit of the doubt here that they don't have that they, that that the pressure's not on it, you could say this. Listen, they they've given themselves every opportunity now to sign these guys. If they don't get them, it'll probably be because you know LeBron wanted to stay home or Paul George was too comfortable with Russ. Whatever, it will be other things. Just as the last couple of years of Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak weren't really entirely on them, it was about hey. Carmelo just didn't want to leave New York at that time. LeBron didn't want to, you know, if he was going to leave Miami, the only place he wanted to go was back to Cleveland. They got probably more criticism than they should have. They made some bad moves for sure. But the lack, the inability to land elite free agents, you can't blame teams, even the Lakers for that. It's hard. It's hard to get guys to leave situations and they weren't set up for it. Now they are set up better for it now. Some of that is due to the work that Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss did before Magic and Rob got there. Some of it's their own work. And their failsafe or the the out for them is, well, if we don't get these guys, listen, we still have this young core that we really believe in. And then you damn well better hope that those guys actually become stars. But you also have another bite at the apple next summer. I know we're going to talk about 2019 free agency mm-hmm. too a little bit, but there's there's an even bigger pool of talent potentially next summer. And no, it's not LeBron James and not Paul George and, and the, you know, who knows about the, the, the Kawhi deal. You look, and that's the other thing. Kawhi doesn't get traded. The Spurs refuse to trade him. Kawhi gets traded to Boston or something. As long as he doesn't resign, he's back in the market next summer and you will have cap room in that same young core as, as the attraction. The other thing, too, is that it, LeBron could be on the market next summer. We don't know could. if he decides to go back to Cleveland on a one plus one. I mean... Yeah, I, I mean that one. I have a hard time yeah. envisioning. It, it's just it would just be so weird to to like roll it, run it back with the same screwed up group in Cleveland while saying, "Yeah, I'm fine for another year, but we'll see." And then we have this whole game again. LeBron is. I don't think he wants to put himself, his family, everybody else through that. Um, I hope he doesn't want to put us through that. No, oh, uh, <laughs> the decision 5.0 on at this point. Um, before we get to to free agency in general, uh, another interesting bit of news that broke on Wednesday: the Spurs with. Little frill as possible, promoted Becky Hammond to the front of the bench. Uh, Becky, of course, a trailblazer in terms of uh, becoming a full-time female assistant coach. Now she's going to the front of the bench, replacing James Borrego there. And it got me thinking, Howard, that as much as we talk about where and when Becky Hammond's going to get a a head coaching opportunity, why not San Antonio? I mean, Pop is only going to be around for probably a few more years. He's, you know, some people have kind of, you know, suggested that perhaps 2020, you know, after... Uh, his USA Olympic basketball experience is over. That might be the year that he walks away. Uh, Becky Hammond is certainly young. She could learn from him for as long as he wants to coach. Why not San Antonio as as the first place? And, you know, they have the structure for it. Um, it, it wouldn't be as big a thing there, maybe, as it would someplace else. Um, it just makes a lot of sense that maybe Becky Hammond's first head coaching job would come with the Spurs. What do you think? No, I think it's a great call, Chris. Um, I thought of a couple of different things that are interesting about this very, as you put it, you know, like this very just underplayed, very direct or straightforward press release. It just says, hey, she's been promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, no quotes at all. No Nothing. quotes, no no fanfare. They're just kind of noting it for the record. Um, interesting because when she interviewed for the Milwaukee Bucks job and she was, you know, part of, a, you know, a, a group of how, however many people that, that they interviewed before hiring Mike Budenholzer. The people who were objecting while trying to barely hide their sexism was, oh, well, she's, she's, she's never even been the front of the bench. As if front of the bench, back of the bench matters that much. I mean, it, it matters. There, there is a pecking order to an extent. But you're either an assistant or you're not. You've been, the, been on the bench for a few years or you haven't. She's done it. 
She's been an assistant for a few years. She has more experience than Doc Rivers did when he became the Orlando Magic coach back in, in 99 or than Steve Kerr did when he became the Warriors coach or than Mark Jackson did before he became the Warriors coach. Those None of those guys ever were assistants. Becky has done the work. Um, but moving to the front of the bench, I think at least eliminates, whether it matters or not, eliminates that objection or that point of criticism. Oh, she's never been. Okay, fine. Now she's the front of the bench, guys. Now what do you have to say? So that's one thing. The second thing is I do think because, yes, there are always going to be people who question it, who view it through a different prism, who are going to hold her to a higher standard than they would a, a male assistant who had never done the job. To be in San Antonio for her first head coaching job, I think, would come with some built-in benefits. One, it's a market that already knows her, a franchise that already knows her. You don't have to worry about how, how strong that backing is. You go to another franchise. If if, if Milwaukee had hired her, oh, that's great. You know, that's great that you, you you made that move and that you believe in her and everything else. But how invested are you really? And no more invested than you are in any head coach that you fire after two point three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. San Antonio, having invested years in her with ownership and front office, knowing her as well as they do, they will give her. And not that another franchise wouldn't, but you wouldn't have any doubt that they would give her full reign and full backing and let her navigate through the bumps that any first time head coach would. The other part is whoever's left on that roster. Then those are guys who had been working with her mm-hmm. since they were rookies. So it's not some new weird, Oh my gosh, we're coached by a woman. No, I've been coached by a woman since the day I got here. I think that could matter. Um, again, I don't know how much of a, of an obstacle it will be for players when Becky finally gets an opportunity, and I believe she's going to before long, um, maybe we should give players more credit that any of them can, that would deal with this just fine. Mm. And, and deal with this is not even the right phrase, that they would, that they would embrace this. Um, but I do think it's easier to embrace because this is something new. Uh, if, you're, if you're on a team that had already been coached uh, with her on the bench as part of that group coaching you from day one, I, I, I think there's a benefit there. I didn't like the, you know, the, the, closet sexism that was out there when it came to Becky Hammond. I, I would say that, I don't know if being in the front of the bench matters, but there's this kind of a process, right, for the non-players in sure. place where it's like you're an assistant, you're a low-level assistant, you're a high-level assistant, um, you get the interview process, you start, I thought interviewing was huge. Like when your name is in circulation as an interviewee, yes. that's kind of the next step. I mean, look at a kid like a uh, kid, uh, talking like an old guy here, but Sean Sweeney <laughs> is a good example. Yeah. Sean Sweeney is... You know, was the coach in Milwaukee, was basically Giannis's guy, uh, has been elevated to one of the top assistants on uh, Dwayne Casey's staff. Down the line, he could be head coaching candidate uh, in this league. I think her, this I think it's a significant move. I, I do. I think being next to Pop and, and just probably being even more involved, like taking over some of the responsibilities that Borrego have, ha- had rather, I think that's a significant step for her. And I, I think... You know, in the next few years, she's going to get even more opportunities. But San Antonio, just like for everything you just said, makes a ton of sense being there. However long Pop wants to coach, when he's done, because he doesn't have an heir. I mean, and it's not like, you know, it's it's Josh McDaniels in New England waiting for Bill Belichick to retire. When Pop goes, who knows what that roster is going to look like? Would Brett Brown want to leave Philly to go coach in San Antonio? I doubt that. Would yeah. Borrego come back? I mean... Unless, like, you want to anoint Ime Udoka there, and he might get his own job in the next couple of years. Right. Um, there really isn't a natural heir for that job. Yeah, agreed. Because all of his best assistants have peeled off. Mm-hmm. Because Brett Brown is in Philly. Because Mike Budenholzer, Budenholzer's now in, in Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, Borrego's gone. And to your point, Ime Udoka 
could be the next to go. Um, it may well be that Becky's that that, that the, by the time she has had a, a couple of years on the on the front of the bench, maybe even get to the the lead assistant role. By the time that all happens, it will also be coincide with when Pop is ready to move on, and it'll just be a natural transition. So I think there's a good chance of that. But hey, look, in the meantime, there's also a possibility some other team may poach her. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, but a big move for Becky Hammond this week. All right, free agency, days away from it. Um, we know the names of the players that are going to be on the free agent market. We don't yet know the teams that are going to be willing to spend the money on that market. You've got teams like Philadelphia, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, the Lakers, these teams project to have $30 million plus in cap space, while certainly other teams can find ways to clear it uh, if necessary. Uh, 2016, Howard, was a great summer for free agents. That was a, a free agent market. What do you think this summer is going to look like? Yeah, 2016, great summer for free agents. Bad summer for free agents to be in 2017 and 2018. And bad summer, frankly, for the system uh, for the NBA. What and teams that spent money in 2016 were like, great move, us? Like Portland? No. Aside from the Warriors getting Kevin Durant, yeah, I mean that's it. Like that was, and they were lucky enough to have that yeah. extra space. Every, everybody else who spent wildly that summer pretty much played themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's having ramifications now, Chris. And it's it's funny, you know, the, the players' association still will not uh, give any inch on this. They still believe that it was right to reject cap smoothing, that it's all fine. But look, a bunch of your members got squeezed last summer. They're getting squeezed again this summer because all the money got spent badly in 2016 and those contracts are haunting the teams and they're haunting this class of free agents um i don't think we're going to see a lot listen the lakers are going to have their potential two max slots and let's say that they get that done right let's say they get lebron and paul george there's that 60 plus million gone the bulls could have up to 40 million 41 million but part of that depends on whether whether they're resigning zach levine and and for how much the sixers have their 30 plus million or so do they get Paul George? Do they, you know, where does that go? Atlanta, Sacramento, and then Dallas. And that those are the teams with the with the, the significant cap room. You know, Houston could have 20-something, but they've got Chris Paul sitting there and Chris Capella sitting. So that's not going to, mm-hmm. like, that that's, That cap room is going to vanish instantly unless, in, of course, they get picked apart, in which case they're, they're in trouble anyway if they're losing those guys. And that's it. I mean, that's the list of teams with significant cap room. There's a, a few others that might have, a, you know, between 10 and 15. But uh, this is not some great time to be spending and you know you got lebron uh you know durant's gonna stay put lebron uh paul george chris paul and then capella who's restricted cousins who knows what he's worth at this point deandre jordan potentially a free agent a bunch of speculative like guys like i don't know what aaron gordon julius randall marcus smart jj reddick i don't know what these guys are going to get on the open market Derek favors um jabari parker zach levine so but if even a couple of those guys get even 60% of the max. Let's take a couple of the teams out of it. Mm-hmm. There, there's only like five, six teams that can do this. So uh, a bunch of guys are, are not going to really be cashing in. I think this is a really bad summer to be a free agent. It's an even worse summer to be a free agent if you're a free agent center. If you're Brooke Lopez, Yusuf Nurkic, Jaleel Okafor. I mean, obviously these guys are of, of, of different talent levels and stages of their careers, but still um, a bunch of a bunch of bigs, a bunch of seven-footers with no great demand for them and questionable presence in today's NBA anyway. And on top of that, the 2019 free agent class, I mean, teams I think are definitely going to be saving up Uh, Porzingis, a potential free agent next summer, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie, Kawhi, of course, Devin Booker. Some of these guys are restricted, of course, including uh, Booker and, and, uh, and Towns. Um, 
Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, yeah. Miles Turner, Chris Middleton, deep, Kevin it's, Love. It's it's a better class next summer, and um, so and there'll be more cap room next summer. So I do think, other than you know, the, we know the Lakers are going all out. We know the Sixers are going all out. Don't know what the Bulls are going to do. The Hawks seem to be playing this this rebuild methodically very slowly they, so, they could be in a nets like position where like we'll take your bad contract right. with two years if you throw in a draft pick sweetener that yeah. was what worked for the nets and I right. think the hawks can reinvent yeah. themselves the hawks are not the ones running out to go give a max uh uh offer sheet to julius randall or no. something they're so, shopping Den- they're gonna shop dennis Schroeder at some point of course I mean, you've got trey young now you know set there no question so that being the case, if some teams with cap room aren't even going to spend it, now maybe that opens the door. Now, Dallas can go overspend, and they probably will. That's a team, that, that just quickly on Dallas, um, because they gave away, what was the 2019 draft pick um, in that deal for, for Doncic to get him, right. that tells me that they're not at all interested in, I mean, you never thought they were interested in a long rebuild, but you know the fact that the Mavericks are saying to the 2019 draft, which could be pretty good, I mean, the real, real early indications are that it might be, that tells me that they're going to go out and spend. Like, so if you're a team that you're you're a player that wants to get paid, your first call has to be to the Dallas Mavericks, especially if you're a big man. Now DeAndre Jordan's on their radar, of course, and that Gortat deal tells me that the the Clippers are absolutely going to be aggressively shopping Jordan if he opts into that yeah. that last year. But the Mavericks are, if you're a player agent, you're calling Dallas right away. That's the team you want to get in with. No question, because of the teams that have significant cap room and want to spend it now, Dallas is is definitely top of that list. Um, and they're, you know, other than the teams that are in the LeBron, Paul George sweepstakes, which is, of course, you know, Lakers and to an extent the Sixers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be it's going to be interesting summer, obviously, an interesting free agent um, just situation. But it's not it's not a great market in general. Uh, I think we'll see much more trading than we will see signings. Yeah, it's it's toughest, especially for the restricted free agent guys. I mean, you mentioned Aaron Gordon there. Throw Marcus Smart on the list. I, I get the sense that their teams are going to let the market dictate what they're going to get. I mean, oh, they'll yeah. make they'll make low ball offers, like offers that they can live with. You know, whether it's Marcus Smart, eight to ten million dollars per year. Aaron Gordon below the max, and then make a call if if somebody goes out there and maxes them out. But I mean, are you a team that's ready to go all in on a four-year max on Aaron Gordon? Are you ready to go fifteen million per on Marcus Smart? I, you, like you just said, there, I don't see the teams out there that are going to be willing to do that. And if this were the summer of twenty sixteen, when nearly the oh, entire league had room, Evan Turner got paid that year. <laughs> Mar- Marcus Smart would be getting a max deal. You know? No question. Aaron Gordon would be getting massive offers. Um, you know, Demarcus Cousins, despite everything. Achilles, whatever, someone would be going crazy for him, like if because there was just money to burn then, and so that's where I say like there, this is the inequity that the system created and that rejecting cap smoothing created because guys got overpaid in 2016 and guys are going to get underpaid now or not even get the offers now, and yeah, I mean if you're the Celtics when people are saying oh well you know something's going to have to give well yeah eventually something will have to give but in the meantime they can keep everybody and they can keep Mark they can resign Marcus Smart. Keep Terry Rozier, keep Kyrie Irving, keep Gordon Hayward, keep their young guys. I mean, I know I'm not saying all these guys are free agents. Just the idea that you know some people thought, oh, you're going to have to trade somebody to to set yourself up payroll wise in the future. Yeah, eventually that day is coming, but it may resolve itself in the main in the meantime. Um, and who knows if the rumors are true? You know, maybe maybe Kyrie Irving's walking away next summer anyway. Uh, but in the meantime, I think I think the Celtics are keeping everybody, and in part they'll be able to do that because they don't have to worry that any team really can blow them away on Marcus Smart. And look, maybe somebody will. Maybe that's who Dallas throws their money at. Who knows? Probably not. But um, 
I, I think I think yeah. If you're a team like Boston, you're you're really happy. You don't have to worry about anybody walking away. The biggest reason the Celtics are going to keep everybody is because they think that they can win the East without everybody. They don't think they can beat Golden State without everybody. I mean, yeah. they're they're kind of looking a step forward as you go into next season. They feel like they need two lines against Golden State talent from one to ten, and they could have that. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean the number of guys they've got plus you know Daniel Tice doesn't get talked about a lot. He was instrumental to what they did off the bench last year. I mean they. Uh, they're in a good position. But let's talk about LeBron uh, for a second. Third time this decade, uh, LeBron's going to be a free agent. No one has any idea who the favorite is or really any idea what LeBron is thinking. Our friend Dave McMenamin has taken to looking back at some of the post-finals outfits that LeBron has worn for <laughs> for clues and hints at, um, at his future. Uh, we know half a dozen teams, Howard, maybe more, will try to shoehorn their way into the mix uh, for LeBron. But how many teams do you see as being realistically threats to land him uh, you know it, it feels like the con- conventional wisdom has now dwindled this down to narrowed it down to lakers and Cavs, with you know maybe the sixers and the rockets kind of in that next tier on the outside we always get a little blindsided here like nobody really truly expected i mean there was had been some stuff written and speculated about the idea of going back to cleveland nobody really knew he was going back to cleveland in 2014 until that SA and SI uh, dropped at like noon on a Friday or whatever it was. Um, and in 2010, though there was some reporting within 24 hours of the decision TV show about Miami, people really weren't convinced. They weren't positive. It, it didn't seem like a done deal. And Miami had been kind of lingering in the background. Everybody was so focused on the Bulls because they had this great young core with Derek Rose and Joe Kim Noah and Dang. And... People focused on the Knicks because they because LeBron wore a Yankees cap, <laughs> you know, and it was New York. Um, people were fixated on all these other teams before more than the teams he actually ended up choosing. So could we all be wrong again? Could we have missed something entirely? Is he going to somehow land in Memphis? I mean, probably not. <laughs> but but um, can't see that happen. Trying trying to figure out how that would work. But it feels how would he and Chandler Parsons play together? <laughs> exactly, it's going to be uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of wrestling for the uh, starting small forward slot. But uh, quick aside here, I've said this on, on a few different places recently. It's kind of a shame that this is the way that we have to talk about the NBA in 2018. Mm-hmm. That when we talk about where would LeBron fit best, where would he, where should he end up? Like if we weren't, if if market size and all these other things didn't matter. Like Utah would be a really great place for LeBron yep. James. It'd be a great team. Portland could be great for LeBron James. Denver could be great for LeBron James. A lot of talent, a lot of depth, good young team. Like places you could plug him in and immediately they'd be like, whoa, wow, with that group around him? New Orleans with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. But we're not, we're not even talking about those teams because we don't talk about where's the best fit, where's the best cha- chance for title contention. We talk about just the cities that... that makes sense for a star of his caliber, which look, that's just the reality. But, and I'm not necessarily bemoaning it. I'm bemoaning it on behalf of those towns. Like those teams have done a good job of building something worthwhile that a free agent superstar should want to join, but we know they never will. And that's the inequity of the NBA system in general too. Okay. But along those lines, why do you think that Houston has kind of receded back into the pack there? Because when the season ended, we all kind of, you know, talked about it. I mean, the Rockets make sense. They were a 65-win yeah. team during the season. They came up just short. LeBron talks about championships. He wants to, he's, he's championship-driven yeah. uh, right now. And yet, 
as we sit here, I think you and I, you know, we're not going to, you know, play favorites, you know, rank favorites or anything like that, but Cleveland, LA, those two seem to be like two of the uh, front runners here. We're not really talking about the Rockets. Why do you think that is? So I've, I have two thoughts on that. Okay. And this relates to Philly also. Sure, and, one and a half. Uh, the, 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 well, the, this, my second point will relate to both Houston and Philly. The first point is just Houston. Their, their cap situation is a nightmare. Mm. And if they're going to keep Capella and Chris Paul, which is part of what made them a 65-win team, it gets very, very difficult to to get LeBron to squeeze him in there, right? Um, so there's there's just the cap machinations and the, the gymnastics that they would have to perform just to fit LeBron in. And there are always ways to do it. And Daryl Morey and his staff are phenomenal with this stuff, and I'm sure they could find a way. But there's, there's that. Um, but here's the other thought. And I don't think this has been talked about enough. Um, LeBron James has moved twice in pursuit of championships, right? And in both cases, the the uh, narrative was, oh, well, especially in 2010, oh, he took the easy way by going and joining up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Then he goes back to 2014 to Cleveland, and it's, oh, well, you joined up with two more stars who were younger. True, he has always chosen other stars, knowing full well, by the way, that nobody in this league, for the most part, wins without help from other stars. You don't win titles without all-star help. He made smart choices. What he didn't do was go somewhere that was a, 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 a already existing contender. He went to Miami when they hadn't been to the to they hadn't been to the finals in years, hadn't been to the playoffs that past year. They had to strip down the entire roster just to fit all those guys. So it was brand new. They built it from day 1. Built it with high-level talent, but built it from day 1. When he went back to Cleveland, Kyrie hadn't made the playoffs. The Cavs hadn't made the playoffs since he left. They trade for Kevin Love. He hadn't made the playoffs in Minnesota. They built that from day one. Again, he chose high-level co-stars. Undeniable. But they they were not established contenders. They created it. He takes pride in that. And you can see it. It's a little subtle, but you can see it. That when LeBron talks about what he has done, his career path, versus, say, what Durant did by going to Golden State, to LeBron, that's fundamentally different. Durant went to a team that had won a title in recent memory within, you know, within two years and had just won 73 games, had been in, in two, two straight finals already. So while we, while we often, and I'm, I've done this too, while we often put them in the same sentence, that this is this, this age of superstar empowerment and, and uh, uh, self-direction, and I've written that. But they di- what they did was different. What Durant and LeBron did was different. I think LeBron takes pride in that. So how does that relate to Houston and Philly? Well, mm-hmm. Houston was a 65-win team that was in Game 7 of the conference finals. They didn't need LeBron to get to within a, a hair of the finals. without. So he'd be joining a, a team that is established. He's never done that. Philly, not at Houston's level, but Houston or, uh, Philly won 52 games, made the second round of the playoffs, Already, you know, kind of in that 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 next tier without him. Now he could, I guess, justify going there as I'm the guy who puts them over the top. But again, he's never joined a 50 win team before. Mm-hmm. He joined teams that weren't making the playoffs before he got there. And is that not semantics though, in some ways? Because you're right, he didn't join a, a 50 win team, but he went to one that could fall out of bed and win 50 <laughs> games in Miami, it's, and he came back to one that was equipped. Right. You know, when you look at it at that time. You know, that looked like an eight-year plan in Cleveland with Kyrie and Kevin Love. And, you know, and maybe it would be if Kyrie and LeBron had a better relationship. So, I mean, well, you're right. He's never gone to one that's, you know, he's never done what KD did. But, I mean, he's, he's 
he's formed these teams that have been he did but that but like cleveland in particular had to grow up quickly yes they were a surprise especially in year one yeah that was a team that had done nothing mm-hmm. and he and still if they don't make the trade like i hate to say it but the trades for jr smith and iman shumpert and, and, and mozgov that first year i don't know if they make the finals mm-hmm. that year they needed those reinforcements they didn't have a lot of depth there and you know again a, a younger tristan thompson and a, a younger you know all, all the guys that they had at that time that team had done nothing so I mean, we give a lot of credit, as we should, to LeBron for being able to just take anybody to the finals, it seems like, and he has sometimes. But it's not the same joining a, you know, as I say, a, a young Kyrie who hadn't done anything on his own and Kevin Love hadn't done anything and Tristan Thompson and all these guys is not the same as saying, you know what, that Philly team that just made the second round of the playoffs that looks like it's going to be a contender for years to come and have two young superstars who are already all NBA caliber, and I'm going to go join them, even though they've won 52 games without that. I mean, that is different. I know you're saying semantics, and I agree. On some level, we could put these all in the same part of the spectrum, but I think it matters to him. I think it matters to him that he can say, we built that in Miami, Mm -hmm. and we built that in Cleveland when I returned, and these teams have been built without him. Is any part of it, of this process, do you think, um, or I guess I should say, how much of it do you think is going to hinge on what he wants contractually? Because... If you're a team that's contending, like take Houston, for example, I wouldn't gut my team for a one plus one from LeBron. I mean, I'd want a full four or five year commitment from him. I know he's LeBron James. He can do a lot. But if you're a team that won 65 games and probably would have a championship, I mean, poor Mike D'Antoni, like in 07, he is a hip check away from potentially winning a championship. In 2018, he's a Chris Paul hamstring injury away from from winning a championship, different maybe, circumstances. Maybe, maybe oh, he, he would have beaten Cleveland. You don't think? No, no. I'm saying oh. I'm not still not sure if they absolutely if they would have won Game Six and Seven. You're yeah. right, but I mean three two lead. I mean in yeah. a good position anyway. Um, but I don't know if I I you know tear apart that team for a short term deal with LeBron James. It, I guess it depends on what tearing apart means. To what extent are they having to tear it apart? Is it losing Capella? Is it is it you know it's obviously not losing Chris Paul. He's going there to play with Chris Paul mm-hmm. if that's happening. But um. Yeah, they have to lose a lot of pieces. But most of their pieces are pretty disposable. I mean, mm-hmm. on the one hand, look, they were they were vital. P.J. Tucker was vital. And Mute for a while was, was vital. Ariza, at the same time, in the bigger picture of the NBA, those are the guys that, you know, if you, if you have to lose them to get LeBron, you do it. Yeah. Do you do it if it's only a one plus one? I, I have to believe, <laughs> foolishly, possibly, but I have to believe that whatever the, the, the next move is, is the last one. Mm. If he stays in Cleveland, he's staying in Cleveland. If he goes to L.A., he's in L.A. for the duration. I, I think this is the final chapter. I'm going to save this podcast. These words will, <laughs> be, these words will be brought back uh, three be the, years from now. Won't be the first time I've been, I've been spectacularly wrong. <laughs> All right. Let me move on to uh, one of the more interesting free agents uh, on the market, not named LeBron James, and uh, that's DeMarcus Cousins. Um, six months ago, Howard, Cousins was uh, a lock to get a five-year, you know, max-level contract from the Pelicans. That was before... Uh, season-ending Achilles injury and New Orleans surging to end that season with Nikola Mirotic in the starting lineup. Cousins is going to be 28 in August and has a history as a combustible player uh, in recent years. What do you think the market is going to be like for DeMarcus Cousins? Again, if this were 2016 or if this were the cap room equivalent of 2016 across the league, I think he'd still have a really good chance at getting what Cousins always thought he would get this summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Under the circumstances, everything has gone against him at this point. He already has his, his reputation is, is, is baggage, the baggage that he's created. You have the fact that the Pelicans looked as good and it's sometimes better without him. That doesn't help his cause. And yeah, this Achilles is not, this is no joke of an injury. 
Um, guys don't come back well, generally speaking, from Achilles injuries. And guys at his size, it's going to be an even steeper climb. On top of that, he's a seven-footer who has never been known for a devotion to fitness. So you have to wonder what he's going to be able to, to take and how close. One thing somebody told me, um, a, a doctor had told me about coming back from Achilles is that generally speaking, this is not across the board, but statistically, most guys uh, or 80, 80% of guys, I think it was, was the figure, 80% of guys who go through that Achilles surgery basically never get back to where they were. Now, how close you can get back to that, that who knows? But vast majority of these guys are never who they were again. Mm-hmm. He's 28 or soon to be 28 anyway. And he's a seven footer who was never in great condition. And he's coming back from a really difficult surgery. Um, you know, his, the, the athleticism and explosiveness at his size, the quickness mattered. That was part of his game. Now he could be really effective without that. Cause he could be really effective down low and, and stop messing around on the perimeter. But part of what made him an intriguing player and a valuable one was the ability to, to play out on the perimeter as well. So we don't know what he'll be when he comes back. We don't know what level he'll dedicate himself to, to getting him to himself as close to 100% again. And he's still got the baggage of having been a combustible guy who often rubs coaches and teammates wrong. Um, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm letting him walk. Mm. I know it'd be really difficult. You gave up a, a boatload of, of, of stuff to get him. It was a celebrated trade. But you just figured out a formula. You just you just saw it in action. You got Drew Holiday playing off the ball, Rondo orchestrating, Miritich now as as your uh, your uh, deep shooting four, as your your, your guy who's going to space the court, and you got Anthony Davis. Like you found the formula. You got it. And I know there's always the temptation to say, well, you know what? We've got a star in hand. You don't, you know, you don't get those guys every day. And there's a temptation to say, but Anthony Davis this way he can play, you know, at the four also and. I get it, but no, mm. you've got it right there in front of you. And that money, no, if you let Mark, DeMarcus Cousins go, you don't necessarily have that money to spend on somebody else immediately. But you do keep the flexibility for the future. You give yourself other opportunities without that money locked up in Cousins to then say, well, you know, because you know, Rondo's a free agent too. Let's say they're re-signing Rondo, but Rondo's up there in years. Eventually you need a replacement for Rondo. Do you trust that Drew Holiday is going to stay healthy? Because you might need a replacement for him. And he's got, obviously, uh, had quite a bit of an injury history. Um, you're, you're severely lacking in depth. And and even in the front line on the wings. Like, y- you need a lot of stuff still. And and if you were if you're creating a shopping list of what you really need, a, a, a maxed out or near max seven-footer is not what you need. You, you got Anthony freaking Davis. Mm-hmm. So, I, tough decision to make. Easy for me to say. I would let him walk. If I'm another team, I guess it just depends on how much belief you have that you can rehab him to what he was and if that's worth the trouble. Um, I think the biggest problem he's going to run into, especially as as he hits the market right now, I don't know how teams can expect anything from him in year one of a contract. Agreed. Because whether it's, I mean, whether it's people I've talked to or the videos he's put out or just the general stuff you're talking about with, you know, doctors speaking about Achilles injuries, um, these are long rehabs. Uh, I would I'd be highly skeptical that he's ready for training camp. And no. as you get into the season, whenever he comes back, if it's mid-season or a little bit before, he's not going to be the same player. He might get there at some point in the, the most optimistic scenario, but nobody can realistically say in year one, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be the same player. So now you're talking about paying a guy big dollars 
to not play for you in year one with the hope that he can play for you in year two, three, and four. I just don't know a team crazy enough to do that. I mean, Dallas is a little bit crazy right now because they want to win right away. But yeah. would I mean, Dallas wants to win immediately. So I would think DeAndre Jordan is more what they're looking for or somebody else on the market's more what they're looking for. Um, and with the Pelicans, the the one thing that they can do if they let Cousins walk is offer Rondo more money. I mean, they're, they're, they're so cap-strung with some of these bad contracts. But uh, if, if Cousins walks, Rondo's number, I think, can go up to around $8 million. And that'll probably be enough to get it done with, with Rajon Rondo. He is far more important, in my mind, to the Pelican success next year than DeMarcus Cousins is no because of what we saw at the end of the year. Plus, and I kind of tweeted about this the other day, this is a team in New Orleans that has liked Dwight Howard before. I mean, look, they have they tried to acquire him in 2016. That same front office is in place. Del Demps, Danny Ferry is there. Um, you know, if you can get Dwight on the cheap on a minimum type contract, he can be your kind of cousin's replacement. You need a big body to play alongside uh, Anthony Davis. Otherwise, you go with that same lineup. Miritich yeah. at four, Anthony Davis at five, and occasionally sprinkle Dwight in against those bigger teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, Dwight's dicey in his own right, uh, you know, as a personality. But if you're getting him on the cheap, if you're getting him for the minimum or close to it, because he's going to end up with this buyout from the Nets that, you know, so he won't need, you know, a, a major payout and he needs to go rehab his image somewhere again. If he thinks he's getting mid-level exception money, that's just not going to happen. No. And, but again, he doesn't need it either. He's going to get, you know, 20-something in a buyout probably. But there's an ego to that. You know, like this, you know, a guy sure. signing for the minimum. He should. Like you and I sitting right. here, he absolutely. You want to rehab your image? You got a $20 million check from the Nets. Go to a winning situation. Yeah. Play it out. You can get another deal next year. But yeah, and again, I'm not sure I necessarily want Dwight next to Anthony Davis if that's the best uh, uh Setup. I, th- I think I still prefer Anthony Davis with a stretch four next to him in, in Miritich, but whatever. You know, you need some depth. You need. Let's see what Dwight Howard's willing to do. But yes, I would rather have the short term cheap investment in him than a long term tie up into Marcus Cousins. I wonder if Cousins will be willing to do like, you know, a one year balloon payment kind of thing. And, you know, then we can, everybody can see where he's at and, uh, whether he's fully rehabbed, and the next summer when there is more cap room around the league, when there are more teams with cap room and more flexibility, maybe then he can get somebody to give him the long term deal. Because I think I think people are going to want to see what he is, and, and, and you you got to show it first. We're already taking a risk on you as a personality. We we can't take a risk on you health wise. So max deal, no way. Um, one plus one, or maybe a two year deal with a bunch of conditional, you know, some clauses in there about minutes and games played to protect you as a team. I mean, I could see that. Now, Cousins isn't going to want to uh, want to do that, mm-hmm. but look, what choice do you have? Um, look at the teams that have room. Are the Lakers going to go all in on Demarcus as the as the co star to LeBron when Demarcus has everything we just talked about? I don't think so. The Bulls have room. The Bulls aren't going for Cousins. Sixers aren't going for Cousins. I'm going down the list, of, mm-hmm. but, but you know, in order of cap room. Well, Hawks, as we've just established, are not in a spending mood uh, right now. The next team is the Kings. We know he's not going there. Hey, don't don't discount Vivek Ranadive's <laughs> love for Demarcus. There's not. He's, I think we're. I'm going to cross out the Kings. Got a mentor, uh, Marvin Bagley. So we're down to Dallas, and that's the team that we think is, is most likely. Then it's Houston. You know, theoretical cap room, and they're going to resign Capella. The Nets, no. The Magic, no. The Suns, no. Like. who's paying DeMarcus Cousins? And why would you... You mentioned the one plus one. I mean, that's dumb for a team to do even, especially if you're not going to get anything in year one. You're basically giving DeMarcus like, you know, a a life raft there, a safety net to to have that second year. Yeah, but you're you're doing it... It's got to be one plus your one as the team. Oh, your one. Okay, team option. Team option, yeah. 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 So that that you can evaluate him. 
Um, and yeah, for, for DeMarcus, he probably wants to be like, no, give me the option so that I can say, no, look, I'm fully healthy now. And you, but you could, either way, you, you could try to make the case for it. I, I could, I, you know, there, there are ways to sell a guy on that. I think it's, I'm thinking more along the lines for the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. If you're the Pelicans, make it one plus the team option. Yeah. You know, you're showing him good faith and you're giving him a chance to rehab, um, knowing that, you know, Look, we can we can find a way to to get through one year with this. We don't know if we want to do four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I don't I don't think this is a great uh, a great market for Cousins at all. And um, he might be on the market for a while too. I that mean, could happen too. You know, because if he and I do a radio show with Karan Butler, and one of the things that Karan, uh, who played with Demarcus, one of the things he said on the show before is that. You know, when Cousins sits down with the Pelicans, he's going to look for Max. And the Pelicans are going to say, you know, maybe six months ago, but not now. Like, that's never going to happen. And and if it becomes that kind of stalemate, New Orleans has to move on because they've got to lock up Rondo. That's important. I don't know what the market is for Rondo anyway, but, you know, they've got to lock him up. And everybody else has kind of got to move forward a little bit. And we mentioned the Mavericks. If they can find a deal for DeAndre Jordan, which I'm sure they're going to explore. Mark Cuban loves DeAndre Jordan. I don't think they're... I don't think they're they're still bitter over what happened the first time around. They, they know on. how this goes. They, they know they, how it goes. They understand. Yeah. So I, if that happens, there's, I mean, all the teams you listed, there's nothing left for him. He could wind yeah. up sitting out there in free agency in mid to late July wondering where a one-year deal is for him. I mean, some of these teams might give him, some of the teams you named might give him a one-year deal because they have to reach a certain floor. But again, it goes back to the fact that in that first year, you have to anticipate almost nothing from him because of the timing of the injury and where he's at with his rehab. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're a team, I would say this, if you're a team with, because the mid-level exception is now in, insane. Like the mm. mid-level, which we used to talk about as like chump change because it was only like 5 million or whatever. The, the mid-level is what, like 8.8 now? Yeah. If you're a team with the mid-level, hey, DeMarcus, you know, you got to come rehab. Might as well do it here. No one else, no one's giving you the max. Mm. Take Take 8.8 for one year. Maybe some team that's actually a mid-level contender type or, you know, mid-level, you know, by playoff contender, I mean, you know, Portland, you know, uh, let's say they don't come to terms with, with uh, Nurkic. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who else could, could use them and, and could say that if you're healthy, we can plug you right in. Oh, the other part of it, too, is going into the summer of 2019 might not be the worst idea in the world either. Well, exactly. You know, with yeah. all, all, some of these teams are going to strike out with free agents. If he proves at the end of... 2018 or 2018-19 that he's healthy and can play, there'll be a market for him. He'll only be 29 at the uh, start of the 1920 season. I mean, as soon as the Gortat trade happened, we've got a speculation that, you know, it's Washington trying to position itself to make a a, a, a deal for uh, Cousins in a sign-and-trade where, where New Orleans would sign him, sign him and trade him to the Wizards. I don't know how realistic that is or what it would net them. If they're going to do it and they're going to get Otto Porter out of it, and, and like Otto Porter in New Orleans would be fantastic. Mm. Um, I don't know how realistic that is. Dallas, your, to your point, if, if Gortat being in L.A. now means they're setting the table to move DeAndre or just let him walk in free agency, well, yeah, that's probably to Dallas. So now that, that Dallas is off the table for Cousins. So, yeah, they're, like whatever market that does exist for him could evaporate before we even get to July 1st. Mm-hmm. All right, let me finish with uh, Paul George. And we talked we touched on him briefly in the, the talk about Kawhi Leonard, but uh, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. Uh, the Lakers, we've heard all the chatter from the area. Uh, you know, they'll recruit him pretty hard. But, you know, the more time passes, Howard, the more people I talk to, uh, the more I think that going back to Oklahoma City is is a strong possibility. Um, you know, the 
the Thunder, and you know that organization, they're, they're never going to express confidence about anything. But, you know, they're pretty comfortable, to use that word, with the kind of season that Paul George had. Not the end of it, of course, that was disappointing. But the season he had out there, how he fit in alongside Russell Westbrook, and maybe most importantly, the relationship that he had with Russell Westbrook. I was told by a couple of people that that relationship was pretty strong, that that they were were good together. Uh, I know they've been working out at times sporadically uh, this summer. So uh, what what do you think of Paul George's free agency? Is it a number of teams out there? I mean, he clearly, it seems like he's going to be the guy this offseason that wants to be wooed a little bit. You've got the ESPN special. Um, it seems like he's going to be, you know, the KD of 2016, the LeBron of 2011. Just, you know, come and make your pitches to me and I'll, I'll figure it out. But what do you think the landscape is for PG? The, 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 the three-part special is funny because immediately it triggers the, does this mean it's more likely that he is staying and is setting it up for that or that he's leaving and is setting up, for, like, immediately, like, what, what does the TV show mean? It's also the newest meme, right, that's yeah. out there with, like, you know, it was KD with my journey with his arms crossed yeah. the Players' Tribune. Now yeah. it's it's my journey, Paul George, this face on the ESPN set. I mean, it's got to <laughs> already be people plugging different faces into that. Um, look, I... I've said this many times. The reason Paul George is in Oklahoma is because he wanted to be in LA. The only reason he's in Oklahoma is because he wanted to be in LA. And he told Indiana, I want to be in LA. And so they moved him. So he can change his mind. And maybe he has. And maybe he will end up resigning with the Thunder. But the only reason he's there is because he got traded. And he got traded because he said, I'm not going to resign here, Indiana. I want to go back to LA. I want to go to back to Southern California. Will he follow through? Um, we'll see. You know, this, this, I think this all still goes back to LeBron James. If those two are texting each other as we all suspect that they are, and if LeBron is saying, look, come be my wingman with the Lakers and we'll, we'll you know, sign up a couple other vets on minimum deals to come join us and let's go chase the Warriors, I think I'd have a hard time turning that down if I'm Paul George. But this is, you know, we, we can't know just how strong the bond is between him and and. and Westbrook, him and that franchise. Um, he did seem pretty comfortable there. He does seem like the kind of guy who would rather be the the beta than the alpha, but he could be that out that that beta to LeBron. And you know, um, I, I it, it's again, it's one of those things where I wouldn't predict it for a second, but I still think the the outcome that makes the most sense is Paul George in L.A. with LeBron rather than you know, a, a, a thunder future that let's face it. We don't really know where that team is going. They, yeah. They've, they, you know, first round out two years in a row and Carmelo opted in. So that's tying up some room. It's only one more year, but uh, you know, th- that, that team's got a lot of money on the books. Um, is Carmelo really going to stay after opting in or did he opt in for the purposes of then negotiating a buyout so he can go sign a minimum deal to go play with LeBron mm-hmm. wherever he ends up? I don't know. I, I still feel like there's there's more to that picture. It's not. It's fine that he likes Russ. It's fine that they're working out together. It's fine that he has said nice things. He has still said all along. I but it, but home is really attractive. Southern California is really attractive. And if he wants to contend and he wants to be in in L. A. There's a pretty simple path to that. It just depends on you know what number twenty three wants. Yeah, I mean, and that's the biggest thing because Paul George. Just like LeBron is not going to be the only guy to go to L.A., Paul George is not going to be the first guy to go to L.A. Because I, I, I'm with you on the whole alpha thing. I, I think as much as he was the alpha and the best player, uh, not even the alpha at times, like on those Indiana teams that were successful, I mean, you had bigger personalities there to 
assume the pressure. David West was a big sure. personality. Lance Stevenson attracted some of the attention. Paul George just had to play yeah. at a high level. Even Danny Granger in some of those early years yeah. uh, with him. Paul's not going to go to LA unless there's a firm commitment from LeBron James uh, to go there as well. And maybe, look, maybe LeBron waffles a little bit. Maybe he goes back and forth. Maybe he doesn't make a decision right away. And maybe that allows Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook, who have got to be working him daily. I mean, that's got to be hourly even. With, with I'm not talking about the goofy billboards and that bullshit that's up there. I mean, what a waste of money. But Completely. The, but, you know, they have got to be on him with a... And, like, one thing we know about that organization, they're incredibly strategic. I mean, they have just got to be applying, not pressure, but, you know, just having, like, a 15-part plan for how you, you know, recruit Paul George back to LA and then let Russ do whatever he does in these workouts and whatever. So the longer it might drag out with LeBron, maybe the better it is for Oklahoma city uh, to lure him back. But again, he does seem like he wants the bells and whistles. You know, it, it does strike me that he, that this is now his Carmelo moment, his LeBron moment, his KD moment, which is natural for, I mean, he's really entering, you know, free agency for the first real time in his career at this, at this kind of level it seems like he wants all that attention this time around. Yeah, which is totally understandable. Sure. Nobody likes it, by the way. Whenever they're done with it, everyone Carmelo was done with his, he's like, get me the, I don't want this shit again. Like, no way. It's got to be a little, stressful. It's got to be a little uncomfortable. Well, then if, then there's Blake Griffin, who got, you know, the biggest, you know, dog and pony show in, in history, oh, potentially, yeah. and then got traded a few months later. Anyway. Number of the rafters. Uh, yeah. oh, bye. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all, it's all silly. It's all, you know, uh, you know, just, um, you know, pomp and circumstance. But, you know, if Paul George wants to be wooed, if he wants to, to see what's out there, if he wants teams to make their best pitches, hey, go for it. Like, why not? And he should be, by the way. I, I know that the goal in in theory when he first set out a year ago was to get to L.A. eventually, but he should be listening to Philly. If Philly's not going to land LeBron, man, Paul George would look really good with that team. Yeah. And they've got the cap room. And if you want to contend and you want to be a guy who just kind of fits in and, and will have your star moments, but you don't have the full spotlight and the full weight of it on you, Man, perfect situation. And Philly should be talked about more with regard to Paul George. And, and maybe in a couple of days it will be when this all finally gets going. But, you know, Paul George should have his, his choice of any of these spots. And, you know, it, again, won't surprise me if, if LeBron goes to L.A. or LeBron stays home. LeBron stays in Cleveland. It, uh, the, the the Rockets will make the same cap machinations to get Le, LeBron. They will make for LeBron mm-hmm. for for Paul George if they can pull it off. They'll try. Mm-hmm. We know they'll try. What is Cleveland? I mean, not to pivot back to this for a second, but I mean, the the idea that Cleveland can get measurably better with a package of Kevin Love and Colin Sexton it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know what you get no. for that at this point. They, they've been better off trading the eighth pick. Uh, for something for sure he only stays in cleveland if it's about it, it, you know, jason lloyd said this on my podcast a few weeks ago and I've, I've heard versions of this same thing from people who are you know i think tapped into lebron if he stays it's for personal reasons mm-hmm. if it's about basketball he probably goes Be- and that's that's an easy conclusion to draw right like there's there's nothing i know they were just in the finals again but look at the the weight that LeBron had to carry, the burden he had to carry, the amount of work he had to do at age 33 and year 15 just to get them to the finals. He can't do that year in, year out from here on out. He needs better help. Cleveland doesn't have it, and I don't think they can get it. So if it's about basketball, if it's about contending, or if it's about at least giving yourself a chance to contend for the next three to five years, however long his career is going to last, I don't see how he stays in Cleveland. But... Maybe he stays for other reasons. Maybe he stays for family and personal ties and not wanting to, 
you know, essentially, you know, set aflame his essay from four years ago when he very poetically talked about going back and having it be bigger than basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's it's hard to say, but yeah, I I think he's gone. I, I I think he leaves, and I still think L.A. is the most logical landing spot. All right, Howard, always appreciate it, man. You can read Howard's stuff uh, on Bleacher Report. He's got a great piece up right now uh, about LeBron's free agency. Follow Howard on Twitter uh, at Howard Beck, and uh, a little bit later on today, I'll be tweeting out pictures of Howard's shirt. And uh, <laughs> is that one hundred percent recycled material? Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. that's what all they sell in Brooklyn. Likely, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah that's, uh, probably made of hemp. God. Howard, thanks for joining, man. I appreciate it. Always. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Howard Beck for joining the show. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free busy weekends are a breeze with american express platinum card 8 a.m wait to board plane in the centurion lounge <sighs> much better 2 p.m grab seats for the game 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.